Okay, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for Dick and Karen and their 60 years together. And so we ask that you to continue to bless them and be with them. We thank you for all you've done for us and all you've allowed us to have. We thank you that a long time ago you told Jeremiah to write it down, and he did. And we have it in our hands today. And Father, we thank you for all you are. We thank you for our nation, and we ask that you would continue to bless it. And we know we have our problems, but we know that you're the author of everything, and you have your hand on us, and we thank you for that. And we ask you to bless us and pull us together, and, and may we uh, come back to you. We know scripture tells us that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we pray to that end. So Father bless us as we look at scripture today and as we go to the further services we ask that you'd bless everything that's said and done. Be with Pastor Bob as he preaches and every song sung and every prayer prayed. And we give you the praise and honor and glory through it all. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. By way of, of uh, remembrance again, and Art and I both have keep coming back to this, and I, I tell you the little story that Velta learned in Bible school that that repetition is theological theological mucilage and the reason we keep saying and going back and back we hope that sometimes it sticks <laughs> so in chapter 19 of Exodus you know the, the, they were just coming out of, of bondage in Egypt and they got to Mount Sinai and uh, the Lord and Moses um, were together and he says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you will speak to the sons of Israel. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Mo Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. This begins um, officially a unique, uh, a unique time with uh, uh, the children of Israel. The next chapter we have... What we've come to know is the Ten Commandments. It's repeated again in Deuteronomy 5. And the main first thing is you'll have no other gods before me. When we get to Jeremiah, where we are now in chapter 13, we, we understand that, that they have forsaken uh, a lot of what the Lord said. And if you've been following... Uh, uh, Dr. MacArthur's uh, uh, outline, this is the fourth 
message of the condemnation of Judah. <laughs> we got 10 more to go. He's got 14 in, listed in his outline, and this is a fourth one. And as Art has said, and I've said that uh, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to make a lot of this new because it's very repetitious of what we have. But I think, again, Jeremiah's trying to tell Judah, you know, you need to listen, but uh, the die is cast. Um, we're going to do what we need to do. Um, in the first chapter of Jeremiah, the Lord uh, speaks to him, and he says, says I have... I have uh, set you apart from you, your mother's womb, uh, and before you were born, I consecrated you, and I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. And he says, all that I command you, you shall speak. And do not be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So time and time again, we see in Scripture that this is what the Lord told Jeremiah to do. But it's also, uh, <laughs> we see a kind of a, a part of the Lord that, that may be uh, interesting because he, uh, he says, let me help you a little bit with get, get along with these people. And the Lord's got a sense of humor, you know. I've said it before, if you don't believe he has, look around. But he, he several times has said, you know, he, he said, uh, 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 go roam the streets, stand at the gate of the temple, cut your hair, don't pray for these people. And we'll see that again today, he, the third time thus far. He said, don't pray. So when we pick up in chapter 13, the Lord tells um, tells Jeremiah to do kind of a strange thing. So let's let's begin reading with verse one of chapter thirteen of Jeremiah. Thus said the Lord to me, He's saying it to him. Go buy yourself a linen waistband, put it around your waist, but do not put it in water. So I bought the waistband in accordance with the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. And then the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the waistband that you have bought, which is around your waist, and arise and go to the Euphrates and then hide it there in a crevice of the rock. Now, look at your map that you found and you see that Israel is some 350 miles from the Euphrates River. You, you, do you see see that's a pretty pretty good distance, you know, from there. Uh, there was no I-77. <laughs> there was no uh, uh, the best you could do was a donkey, probably, or a horse. Um, to make this trip, which would probably be several weeks. So he said, uh, verse 4, Take the west bend you have bought, 
which is around your waist, and arise and go to the Euphrates and hide it in a crevice in the rock. So I went and hid it in the Euphrates as the Lord had commanded me. After many days, the Lord said to me, Arise and go to the Euphrates and take from there the waistband which I have commanded you to hide there. I went to the Euphrates and dug it up and the waistband from the place where it was hidden. And lo, the waistband was ruined. It was totally worthless. Well, when you commentators get off on tangents a lot of times, you know, and this is one of the tangents that commentators in this particular thing was this trip to the Euphrates, you know. Um, some people say um, from, from uh, one of my commentaries, it's uh, from Dallas Theological, it says... Um, after wearing the belt for a while, God told him to take it to P-E-R-A-T-H and hide it in the crevice of the rock. He says it's usually translated Euphrates. Many have felt that Jeremiah walked the Euphrates round trip about 700 miles to bear the sash. However, another possibility is that Jeremiah traveled to the village of P-A-R-A-H about three miles northeast of Anathol, which is where he's from in the tribe of Benjamin. Um, a place with crevices and rock. In, in Hebrew, the spelling of two P-A-R-A-H and two Euphrates are identical. By using a location so close to home, the people were able to observe Jeremiah's symbolic action and the similarities of the name would remind the nation of the army from the Euphrates that was coming to destroy them. That's, that's one opinion. Uh, Matthew Henry, who was written a long time ago, he takes a whole different slant on it. He says, it's been an old question among interpreters where this was really done so as to be seen and observed by people. Remember he told Jeremiah to do it. Or only in a dream or a vision as so no further than the prophet's own mind. It seems hard to imagine that the prophet, or prophet should be sent on such a long journey to the Euphrates River, which would take him some weeks. Uh, could he then go ill, spare the time at home. Uh, for this reason, most inclined to think the journey was at least only a vision. And we have um, evidence of that in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, and that's what Ezekiel did, was in a vision. But there being, it is probable at the time, great convenience in travel between Jerusalem and Babylon, and some Euphrates being not uh, so far off, but that it made an utmost border of the promised land. To see no inconvenience in supposing the prophet had made two journeys for the express purpose, he did as the Lord had commanded him. The toil of the journey would be very proper to signify both the pain it took to corrupt themselves 
with their idolatry and the fatigue of their captivity. And the Euphrates being in Babylon, which was to be the place of their bondage, was a material circumstance in the sign. So Matthew Henry says maybe it was in his a dream or maybe he made the trip. Uh, I kind of tend to believe scripture. <laughs> I don't know anything about the languages, but if, if he asked him to make the trip, he made the trip. But it doesn't matter what he was trying to get around was that when you put it in water and hit it in the rock, verse 7 says, it was totally worthless. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, thus says the Lord, just so will I destroy the pride of Judah and the people of Jerusalem. This wicked people who refuse to listen to my word, who walk in sub stubbornness of their hearts, have gone after other gods to serve them and bow down to them and let them be just like this waistband, which is totally worthless. For as the waistband clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole household of Israel and the whole household of Judah cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people of renown for praise for glory but they did not listen going back in our history we know uh, the history of Israel we know that God led them for 40 years in the wilderness the women did not miscarry their clothes did not wear out their sandals did not wear out he fed them he watered them from a rolling rock, you know, in the middle of the desert. He literally took care of them in every sense of the word. And he says, all I want from you is to obey me and have no other gods before me. We know that through the years, that happened. They just, the nations around them, it started with with Solomon who built the great temple and and everything there and he God told him he says don't marry these local girls and he did and he had some experience with 300 of them and and they drove his heart from the Lord we we know that what God says we need to do and he says here, he says in verse 11, he said, The whole household of Judah clings to me, declares the Lord, that they may be for me a people of renown for praise and for glory, but they did not listen. Verse 12, Therefore you are to speak the word to them, thus says the Lord. Every jug is to be filled with wine. And when they say to you, we know very well that every jug is to be filled with wine. 
Then say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm about to fill all the inhabitants of this land. And he lays out these three groups of people that he's, he's mentioned time and time again. The kings, the priest, and the prophet. And all that inhabit Jerusalem with drunkenness. I will dash them against each other, both their fathers and sons together, declares the Lord. I will not show pity, nor be sorry, nor have compassion, so as not to destroy them. Listen and give heed. Do not be haughty, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he brings darkness and before your feet stumble on the dusky, dusky mountains. And while you're at hope for light, he makes it into deep darkness and turns it into gloom. But if you will not listen to it, my soul will sob in secret. For such pride in my eyes will weep will bitterly weep and flow down with tears because the flock of the Lord has been taken captive say that the kings and the queen mother take a lowly seat for your beautiful crowd crown has come down from your head the cities of the Negev have been locked up there's no one to open them all Judah has been carried into exile, wholly carried into exile. He just simply tells them time and time again, you're, you're headed to exile. You remember, you remember what happened to Israel, the ten tribes to the north, and you keep coming back and says, you know, <clears throat> the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, but that's not it. Verse 20. Lift up your eyes and see those coming from the north. Where is the flock that you were given, <clears throat> you beautiful sheep? What will you say when he appoints over you? And you yourselves taught them. Former companions to be head over you. Will not the pains take hold of you like a woman in childbirth if you say in your heart, why have these things happened to me? Because of the magnitude of your iniquity, your skirts have been removed and your heels have been exposed. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or a leper change his spots? Then you also can do good who are accustomed to do evil. Just like the Ethiopian can't change his skin color, and the, and the leopard can't change his spots. You are so accustomed to do evil. That's exactly what you'll do. Verse 24. Therefore I will scatter them like drifting straw to the desert wind. This is your lot, the portion measured to you. From me, declares the Lord, because you have forgotten me and trusted in falsehood. We'll see about that in just a minute. So I myself have stripped your skirts off your face and your shame may be seen. For all your adulteries and your lustful names, the lewdness of your prostitution on hills and in the field, I have seen your abominations. Woe to you, O Jerusalem. How long 
will you remain unclean? Chapter 14. Then the Lord came to the word, excuse me, that, that which came to the word of the Lord to Jerusalem in regard to drought. Now, we see all through Scripture the phrase, by the sword, by pestilence, and by drought. Some of the things that the Lord um, uh, did to punish them. And we've seen in Judges, we saw all of these problems, you know, that they were having the cycle um, of Israel, and it was by sword, by pestilence, and by drought. When you read through the Old Testament and you you read, you know, so many thousand were killed this day by the sword, it, it's just mind-boggling. Um, if it wasn't in Scripture, I wouldn't believe it. But I have to believe Scripture. But it's amazing. Now, drought. Um, if you are a farmer or have grown up in a farming family or community, uh, rain is a big deal. <laughs> the lack of it or too much of it is a big deal. Drought. Uh, some of my YouTube watching again, you know, uh, these people that are planting crops, they're totally dependent on uh, rain. We need rain, and they watch it to the 10th. Uh, what the weatherman says. So we're going to see here in this, they're praying for mercy for drought. Verse 2 of chapter 14. Judah mourns. Her gates languish. They sit on the ground in mourning. The city of Jer Jerusalem has ascended. Their nobles have sent their, their servants for water. They have come down to the cisterns, found no water. They have returned with their vessels empty. They have been put to shame and humiliated. They cover their heads. Because the ground is cracked, there has been no rain on the land. The farmers have been put to shame. They have covered their heads. For even the doe in the field has given birth only to abandon her young because there is no grass. The wild donkey stands on the bare heights and pants for air like jackals. Their eyes fail, for there is no vegetation. Therefore, our iniquities testify against us. O Lord, act for your name's sake. Truly, our apostasies have been many, and we have sinned against you. Um, Rain. Pray for rain. You've heard the story about the little country church and the the pastor. They needed rain bad, and they uh, called for a day of prayer. And uh, this is one little lady. She came to the prayer meeting and she brought her umbrella. She was expecting the prayer to be answered. We have a beautiful story in uh, in Kings where where uh, Elijah uh, and Ahab were 
going to it. And, and uh, Elijah says, I'm going to shut up the heavens and there was be no rain except at my command. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm amazed at, uh, at Elijah and Elisha and how God dealt with them. You know, it was amazing. You know, it, one time some people were talking about Elisha and he was talking about the, the king. And, uh, and Elisha, how do you know these things? And this one guy told the king, he says, Elisha knows what goes on in your bedroom. So, so on Mount Carmel, and it had the 400 prophets of Baal there. And it says, you call on your God to come consume this sacrifice. And after a while, and they cut themselves and all this kind of stuff. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they didn't. Elijah built his altar, put his sacrifice there, called on God from heaven, and he came. And then the devil started working on him. He says, when's the rain coming? He told his servant, you know, he says, uh, he says, uh, go look. And uh, no, I don't see anything. And then he came back again. And he says, well, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And he said, go tell Ahab. He better move his chariot because a shower is coming and you're going to be stuck. And it happened. The God of heaven is the God of heaven. And he, he listens to his people. And we'll say more about that in just a minute. Verse 10. Thus says the Lord to his people. Even so I have loved to wonder. They have not kept their feet in check. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity and call their sin into their account. So the Lord said to me, do not pray for the welfare of this people. This is the third time just in these 14 chapters that the Lord has specifically told Jeremiah, don't pray for them. Don't pray for them. Verse 12, when they fast, I'm not going to listen to their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings with grain offerings, I'm not going to accept them. Rather, I am going to make an end to them by the sword, famine, and pestilence. Verse 13. But, O oh Lord, I said, Jeremiah said, Look, the prophets are telling them, You will not see the sword, nor you will have famine, but I will give you everlasting peace in this place. And when the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying falsely in my name, I have neither sent them nor have commanded them to speak to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, divination, frutality, and deception of their own minds. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who are prophesying in my name, although it was not I who sent them, Yet they keep saying there will be no sword <coughs> excuse me, or famine in the land. By sword and famine, those prophets will meet their end. 
the people also whom they prophesying will be thrown out into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. There will be no one to bury them, neither them nor their wives nor their sons nor their daughters, for I will pour out my own wickedness on them. You will say this word to them. Let my eyes flow down with tears night and day. Let them not cease, for the virgin daughter of my people has been crushed with a mighty blow. With a sore, infected wound, if I go out into the country, behold, those slain with a sword. Or if I enter the city, behold, disease and famine for both prophet and priest have gone roving about in the land that they do not know. Have you completely rejected Judah? Have you loathed Zion? Why have you strengthened us so that we are beyond healing? We wait for peace, but nothing good came. For the time of healing, behold, terror. We know our wickedness, O Lord, the iniquities of our Father for we have sinned against you. Do not despise us for your own namesake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, do not annul your covenant with us. There are many among the idols of the nations who give rain, nor can the heavens grant showers. It is, not, is it not you, O Lord our God? Therefore we hope in you, for you are one who has done all these things. It kind of sums it up in verse 22. Are there any among the idols of the nation who can give rain? Going back to our study in Isaiah, you know, where the prophet says you take this piece of wood and you, you make an idol out of part of it and you burn the other to keep warm and cook, cook your food, you know. And we've often talked about that, you know, what happened if they burned the wrong part, you know. It was, it was among the idols of the nation who can give rain. Um, we keep coming back to the thing of obedience. And, and at this point, uh, Judah could do nothing because the cast, the die had already been cast. God was going to bring judgment on the nation because of what had happened. And yet, even in this time, there were prophets that were proclaiming, there'll be peace, everything's going to be cool. And I know I can't do it, but I keep thinking about our country and about where we are um, I don't know. I really don't know. But Judah, one more time, has been warned, and we've got several more of these sessions to go. That judgment is going to come. It must come. God said so. And that's where it is. And Jeremiah is, is leading the charge to try to remind these people one more time to come back to him. To come back to him. Well, 
Any comments or questions? We'll pick up next week with chapter 15 and uh, we'll see what we can find in, in it. Any questions? Okay. Well, let's go to the Lord and we will thank Him for who He is.